Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. And with that, let us read our scripture for this worship day. From Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, I hope you have a Bible with you or that you might read on, along with me on your phone. But before we do that, before we enter into scripture, let us pray together. God, as we prepare to read your word, our hope is that we would hear you speak. Our hope is that all that would come from us or from within us would fall away, and all that is from, from you as we read, that we would hold it near to our hearts, that we would cling to it, that we would allow it to shape our lives. God, we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So let me invite us now to read a second passage for our service today. Uh, I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to begin at the fourth verse. And while you're finding that, let me just share this about it. We often call this Paul's love chapter. Uh, if you're married, maybe this was read at your wedding. Uh, I increasingly read this at uh, funeral services. Uh, I don't know that I've ever read it on Palm Sunday, but I think it's an appropriate text for us. Uh, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But first, let us listen for God's Word for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love 
is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So this day begins. Jesus sends his disciples to retrieve a donkey. He said, tell the owner that the Lord needs it. It wasn't just that Jesus wanted to take a donkey ride. It was a matter of necessity. I wish we could have a parade today. Wouldn't that be great? Sing songs, gather with our neighbors, throw our hands in the air. I wish we could have a parade today to celebrate nothing more than just simply being alive. That's the thing about parades. They are carefree and can take your mind off the problems of the world. I'd love to have a parade like that today. But if we had a parade like that, it wouldn't be a Palm Sunday parade. No, quite the opposite. This parade was not about escaping from the problems of the world. This parade was born of crisis. The joy of Palm Sunday grew from the pressure cooker of desperation. Those who tossed their cloaks on the ground and who cut branches to pave his way, they sang Hosanna because they were being crushed by Roman oppression. Their world had fallen apart. They shouted Hosanna because they believed and wanted Jesus to set them free. They believed the Messiah at last had come and that he would push the Roman legions out of Jerusalem. He would chase, the, he would chase them like scared children from every corner of Israel, and the Messiah would sit on the throne of David, and they would once again be free. Their long nightmare was ending. Their crisis was ending. That's why they sang. This parade was the beginning of the end of their crisis. Or at least that's what they thought. But the thing about crises, it's really hard to predict when they will end. There were others that followed him. There were those who loved him. And for them, crisis wasn't coming to an end. They saw this as the beginning of the crisis. They wanted Jesus to turn around and leave. They knew that coming to Jerusalem was risky. They wanted him to slip away to Galilee where they saw the risk was somewhat less threatening. Maybe, maybe they remember that time that he preached in his hometown. Do you remember? It did not go well. The crowds were angry. 
He drove him to the edge of this, the city, and they uh, intended to cast him off a cliff, and they would have if he had not inexplicably escaped. Not even the writer of the gospel knows how he managed to escape. No doubt, his disciples, those who loved him, they wanted him to slip away one more time. Imagine Imagine the parables that he could tell us that he hadn't had a chance to tell us yet. Imagine the deeds of power that he could still perform. He just needs to stay alive. Nothing is gained by this. This was a crisis that could be and should be avoided. Or so they thought. But Jesus wasn't riding into Jerusalem to meet any of those expectations. He wasn't coming to control, to rule, to govern. And he wasn't, even, he wasn't even going to resist those who would put him to death. He told his disciples that he was riding in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem because he needed to. It was necessary. He was riding into Jerusalem to demonstrate an often forgotten attribute of love, of His love for them and for all. That attribute is that love endures. As Paul says, love endures all things. Er earlier this month in the New York Magazine, Andrew Sullivan, he he said this, he said, it's quite possible that by the end of all this, almost every American will know of someone who has died from this virus, a relative, a friend, an old high school classmate. He said, this will change us. All plagues change society and culture, leaving consequences that sometimes aren't recognized for years or decades. Sullivan said, the one thing we know about this epidemic is that at some point it will end. What we don't know is who we will be when it finally does end. I don't know when this will end. I, I, I don't know when we'll be able to gather together again. I don't know everything that is going to happen between now and then, but I believe this. This crisis, like all crises, we can't afford to waste it. Seth Godin has written, he said, in a crisis, it's easy to abandon your principles. It's easy to abandon what you believe because we assume that when things get back to normal, we too will get back to normal. But we forget the choices we make in a crisis, particularly in a crisis, shape who we are. Things are not normal. Our normal ways of doing anything have slipped from our fingers. Our normal ways of caring for each other it's not, are not available to us like they were. We can't be together. We can't share meals. We can't even visit friends in a hospital. It's a challenge 
but it's also an opportunity. We cannot, we cannot afford to waste this moment. This is a time for all of us to remember what matters most or to remember what is needed, as Jesus says. I'm thinking, for example, of those of you with children at home, and, and you're having to be their teachers now. You're teaching them math. You're teaching them geography, maybe state capitals. But maybe, maybe teach other things too. Maybe use this time to set some time aside to rehearse the stories of your own family that matter, to, to rehearse the stories of values that matter to you, to reflect on particular moments that have occurred in your family's journey, in our community's journey, that reflect values that, that you care about. Maybe talk about moments in the lives of others that have inspired you and shape what you value most. We have a time to do this. Every year, you elect officers, and one of my privileges is I meet with them, and I ask them to tell something of their own faith journey to talk about a person who's loved them into faith, to talk about moments in their lives that either by challenge or inspiration have shaped their faith. In a time of crisis, when everything seems to be shifting daily, it's a time to dig deeper into what matters most, into what is needed, as, just, as Jesus said, to what is necessary. Maybe we use this time to tell these stories to one another or to even just write them down so that they become clearer in our own minds. Jesus said this day happened because it needed to. There was no choice. He has to ride into Jerusalem because He is God's love for the whole world and he's teaching us an oft-forgotten attribute of love is that it always shows up no matter the circumstance. And when times are hard, love endures. Lisa Martin, she, she graduated from high school a few years ahead of me. Graduation, which a lot of our students aren't going to have, get to celebrate and recognize this year. But for her, graduation was a high in a year that had been tragic. After fighting it all year, Lisa's mother, she died of cancer about three weeks before graduation. When graduation came, she, they called her name. She, like every other student, she walked up the steps onto the stage in the high school gym there. She received her diploma from the principal and a school board official, and she crossed the stage to the other side. And, and as she got to the other side, she, like every student before her, paused for a moment for the school photographer to take a picture. And as she paused, she surveyed the crowd looking for her family. And I'm told that for a moment, the gymnasium, which had been pretty rowdy, was quiet because as she looked about three-quarters of the way back, 
her father was standing up in his chair, the air on the gymnasium floor, and her younger brother was standing up next to him. And above their heads, they were holding a framed picture of Lisa's mom. She had to be there, or it just wouldn't have been graduation. You see, because even in the face of death, love endures. I don't know when this crisis will end, but I am trusting that when it does, who we are, well, we will be better. We will be better in lots of ways. But we can use this time to remember what this week teaches us. And this week teaches us that love is always what is needed. And that when times are hard, love shows up and love endures. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.